You are listening to Uncomfortable, comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Welcome to Uncomfortable, the podcast, the podcast that has comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Debbie Roach, and today in this episode, I chat with sexual health educator Amy Lang on the topic of sexual abuse prevention. A sexual health educator for over 20 years, Amy Lang helps parents of all beliefs talk with kids of any age about the birds and the bees. She also works with youth-serving organisations and provides childhood sexuality and sexual abuse prevention training. Amy's lively, engaging and down-to-earth style makes these uncomfortable topics much easier to handle. Her professional clients include the US Air Force Youth and Family Services, Boys and Girls Clubs and numerous early childhood conferences and organisations. Amy's talks, books, online solution centre and podcast helps parents learn how to talk to their kids about this important and awkward part of life. Amy is still married to her first husband and they are getting the hang of parenting their teenage son. She lives in Seattle, Washington, and you can learn more about Amy and her work by visiting birdsandbeesandkids.com. Now, as always, there's some adult language in this episode as we are discussing a sexual topic. So if you're listening, make sure to pop those headphones on. Amy, thank you so much for joining me on the Uncomfortable Podcast. I'm very excited to have you here today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I love being uncomfortable. I know, right? I think um, more and more people are coming around to, or maybe it's just I'm reaching out to people who are willing to talk about these topics. You, of course, are one of them. So it's great. It's great. Um, So just before we kind of get into the questions, tell me a little bit about your business, birdsandbeesandkids.com, and kind of what the inspiration for that was. Well, I've been a sexual health educator from my early 20s on, and I loved helping people make decisions about birth control and their pregnancies and understand about STIs and HIV transmission and all that. And I loved it so much that it was basically my hobby and yeah and which is kind of a crazy hobby and I um, really made time in my life to do this in like pretty significant ways and so I had assumed that when I had a kid that I would just be amazing amazing at the sex talks because I knew so much and had been working in that field for so long and I was Milo was about five and he was getting ready for a bath and I thought he was going to tell me it felt good to touch his penis and I was like "Uh uh-oh like I don't know what to do with you five-year-old and your penis and I'm standing there I'm thinking great I'd rather talk to a pregnant 15-year-old girl than my five-year-old about his penis and so (laughs) 
that was like my moment where I'm like, great, you need to sort this out. And so as I was doing research to figure out like, okay, how do we do this? Like, when should we start the conversation? What should it look like? Um, I just had this brainwave and I was like, oh, hey, you could teach adults how to talk with kids about the birds and the bees. And the other part of my background is that I have a master's degree in, in applied behavioral science and my focus was in adult education and group facilitation. So I was like, hey, combine your two favorite things. And so I did. And uh, that was, uh, Milo is now 19, so we can all do that math. Awesome. And so it's been a really interesting journey and taken me places that I never anticipated going because I thought I would just work with parents. And then I also have been working with organizations that work with kids like early childhood um, organizations boys and girls clubs to help them understand uh, what healthy behaviors, sexual behaviors look like in kids. And, um, do, and I'm doing sexual abuse prevention as well. So it's been like super fun. This is still my hobby and it's my job. So that's yeah, good. well, that's kind of a win-win to have a job. That's also like your hobby that you love doing. Cause you know, lots of people search for that and don't yeah. quite get there. So that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Firstly. So we, um, we're going to kind of focus around the sexual abuse prevention because when I was on your website and I, I saw that you did train professionals, like you just mentioned, that was one of your services. And that kind of caught my eye. Cause it seems, you know, I've spoken to a few, folks who do similar work to you and focus on educating the parents just on sex and how to have the conversation with their kids but then I thought wow sexual abuse prevention is something that it's in the back of your mind but it's not something you would even think to have the conversation or dear god like how the heck do you even have that conversation so tell me how that training came about like that that service came around so as I was researching, like, how do we talk to kids about sex? Like, what should that look like? I, I'm sitting at my computer and I'm on the internet and I'm looking at stuff and I'm reading books. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh no, we're going to have, I'm going to have to talk about sexual abuse. And I do not want to talk about child sexual abuse. Like, no, thank you. That's a tough, tough oh, topic. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, how can I get out of this? Like, I really did not want to explore this at all. It was really, you know, of course, kind of upsetting and scary and, and all of that. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, you're going to figure out a way to do this because we have to do this, right? It's part of the whole package yeah. of being safe and all that. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, what do I really want to know? as a parent. And I thought, oh, I just want to know what's normal. Like, is playing doctor normal? Is spin the bottle normal? Like all those things happen to most of us through childhood. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I got to figure out what's normal. And so, because that feels good to me. Right. And so I ended up doing more poking around and I learned all about childhood sexual development because when I teach this, I don't focus on per se on like signs and symptoms, which is what most folks do. Like mm -hmm. if you look at this list of signs and symptoms, then that's how you can tell if your child's or a child's being sexually abused. And so the reality is you look at that list of signs and symptoms, and that could be a sign of any number of things. Grandma died, you know, uncle creepy touched my hoo-ha. Like they could be any number of things. And of course there are some specific issues with kids, but so I'm looking at that. It's freaking me out. And I'm like, you know what? If we just know it's normal, then it's going to be easier to assess. Like, okay, this is within the range of normal behavior, typical behavior, healthy behavior. And so if a kiddo is doing something that's outside of that, then we can get worried and be concerned. 
So my approach is very different than most folks who do sexual abuse prevention. They mostly focus on like how to spot a predator, you know, what are the signs and symptoms? Um, not a lot of, no education around what's typical or what's not, yeah. aside from like, oh, playing doctor's normal. Oh, figuring out it feels good to touch your clitoris, your penis when you're four is normal, right? That kind of thing, we get that, but it's broader than that. And so anyway, so childhood sexual development is actually something that's not very common. Uh, anybody who's working with kids, like most of them don't have this kind of education. So, you know, as a parent, like learning, like, oh yeah, Sometimes, you know, boys have penis meetings, right? My friend called me and she's like, oh my God, Amy, I picked my kid up at child, you know, from daycare today. And he said, I said, how was your day? And he said, well, you know, today at our penis meeting, Owen and I, <laughs> what? what? Wait, back up. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. She's like, what the hell? What do I, what the hell? And I'm, and I'm like, what is going on? So apparently every day at outside time, they'd go behind this bush and they would take their penises out of their pants. And they would have a meeting and then they go to, off to play. <laughs> so, wow, I'm curious to know what the meeting was about. Like, what is on that agenda? I have no idea. <laughs> but, you know, little folks will like, it was like just part of their routine. There, no, wow. there wasn't any touching. It was just, it's usually just starts out as curiosity based. Yeah. So maybe one of them was circumcised and one wasn't. They were really good friends. And this is a really common you know, not, they don't call it penis meeting, but it's a really common yeah. for kids to be curious. And yeah. um, so anyway, but children were talked to and the bush was removed because, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So and I know I'm laughing and I know, I mean, you're laughing too, right? Yeah. Like, this stuff is uncomfortable, but, um, you know, they weren't uncomfortable, right? They didn't know that there was anything, mm -hmm. right? bad about that they just were like hey we're having our penis meeting today and it was just that's just it was fine right there wasn't anything no one was being threatened or coerced yeah. no one was um like no one was not wanting to play or have the meeting like it was all just really chill and so it got taken care of uh, and so one of the things about this is it's okay to laugh about it because I mean the penis meeting is hilarious yeah and, you know, a little stressful. So I talked to Michelle off the ledge and we talked yeah. about what to do about that, which we can talk about in a minute. So anyway, like if everybody knew that that kind of curiosity is normal and that um, we expect that in childhood, especially in early childhood, um, and it goes all the way through, then we can all calm down, right? And figure out, all right, is this concerning? How concerned should I be? Yeah. And oftentimes parents, like they know, like they learn this and then they're like, okay, then you know, can't we just, it's normal. So can't we just let them have penis meetings or play doctor? Mm -hmm. And they can, can't because we need to redirect the behavior and talk to them about body boundaries and explain that it's not okay or safe to play games with private parts. And, you know, talk about how it's not okay for anyone to touch your privates or you to touch anybody else's privates and redirect the behavior because they need to understand the boundaries around mm. their body safety, right? And so if we don't redirect their behavior, and an older kid or, uh, you know, like Uncle Creepy wants to play, a, you know, play doctor or have a penis meeting. Um, there's no protection there, right? Yeah, and they'll think that that's, that's okay. Normal. Yeah, and think it's okay. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm going to jump questions just a little bit to ask what is the most common um, like questions and concerns that you get from parents because I feel like the penis meeting might have been a bit one that you wouldn't get <laughs> as commonly yeah. right. but you know but what is it that parents or even professionals come to you um the questions that you get the most from them oh that's a great question so um lots of questions around like how do I keep my child safe um how do I teach them body boundaries mm -hmm. um 
also like how do I get them to talk to me if something's going on? How can I tell if something's going on? Uh, right now, there's lots of conversation about teaching consent. So like, how do you teach consent to a child? And that those are the basic things. And then with, um, and then of course, like, how do you redirect their behavior? What do you say? Like, how do you talk to a kid without freaking them out? Right? Which is a big deal. Because, yeah. you know, this is, we know this is a terrible, terrible thing, right? Yeah. So how do we manage ourselves as we're having these really important conversations with our kids? Yeah. And like, could you give us an example, just one of the small things that you, you might teach to kind of help someone, an adult in particular, keep their calm and their poise while having that conversation with a kid? Like what can adults do? Well, first of all, adults need to uh, do some of their own personal work around this. Mm. You know, if, if someone was sexually abused or sexually assaulted, that can be, that can really increase the intensity with which uh, parents talk with kids about this kind of thing because they're terrified because it happened to them. Um, so that's a tall order sometimes, right? I mean, I'm basically saying, get yourself some therapy, um, which is really a hard place to go. Um, but being aware of that, um, also thinking about, thinking it through, like having a plan, talk like talking it out like what's your script how are you going to talk about this our kids don't know if we're if we're practicing you know yeah. one of my recommendations is that you drive around in your car when you have a moment alone and like practice saying hey just a reminder it's not okay to play games with private parts and you know like saying those things um, out loud it makes us calmer um, so just having the conversation, preparation is key. Uh, using books, there's some really great books for kids about boundaries. C is for consent. It's my body. Uh, I can play it safe. Um, I recommend books that are not uh, creepy or scary. There's lots of sexual abuse prevention books for kids that give me, I was not sexually abused, that make me like, oh my God, yeah. right? And I'm grown, right? Yeah. Like they creep me out. Um, so just, I mean, the, really the most important thing is to be communicating fairly regularly about this um, and minding our uh, intensity, which is a tall order, which is a yeah. tall order, right? Yeah, and I'll definitely link to those books that you just mentioned in the show notes so that people can pick up those ones and not the, the creepy ones yeah, <laughs> that yeah. you're told to avoid. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'll definitely make sure that we mention those uh, so our listeners can, can take a look. Uh, so how can an adult actually explain sexual abuse to a child who obviously, you know, it's a completely new thing that they've never heard of? Like what would that, conversation consist of? So first of all, I just want to back up the truck a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, we have to talk about prevention, which we can, we can, in, we can do sexual abuse prevention without our kids knowing what's happening without saying mm -hmm. the word sexual abuse. Okay. And for me, this is a conversation that starts when they're itty bitty. And the first conversation is using the correct names for private body parts. Mm -hmm. This is really protective. Uh, the reason it's protective is because, well, first of all, children have the right to know the correct names for all of their body parts. And when we use euphemism, euphemisms, uh, what we're, we're communicating a couple things to kids. First of all, that there's something up down there, like they don't necessarily know that their, you know, their penis is not called a wee-wee, like the real term for penis mm -hmm. is not wee-wee or whatever. And so eventually they'll start to like, why is this like, this seems weird. Right. And the parent, 
there's something up with the parent, right? Like they can't say penis. Um, yeah. for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, most of us grew up in families where we didn't have penises and vulvas, right? And vaginas, yeah. right? Um, so that's the first thing. And, you know, sometimes folks, I just taught a class of parents of preschoolers and one of the dads said, I'm really uncomfortable using those terms. Like he's like, justify it. Um, he was one of those facty guys. Um, yeah. And so I, so this is the deal. Uh, if a child, like, so there's a story about a little girl who uh, approached her teacher and said, hey, teacher, grandpa touched my cookie. And the teacher said, oh, honey, it's, that's great. You should share your cookie with grandpa. And then a couple days later, grandpa touched my cookie again. And the teacher said basically the same thing. Oh, yeah, we talked about this. Remember, it's okay to share and it's good to share. And, you know, it's nice to share. And then she came back to the teacher again and said, grandpa touched my cookie. And finally, the teacher said, what do you mean by cookie? And the girl pointed to her crotch. Mm. And then the teacher was like, okay, right, and got her help. And this girl was persistent, which isn't necessarily common, right? Mm -hmm. So she knew something was wrong and needed help, but not every kid's going to have this, like the wherewithal to do that. So yeah. if that girl had come to her teacher and said, teacher, grandpa touched my vulva, what would have happened? right? Oh, yeah. Immediate right help, right? Immediate help. So this is about communicating that our bodies are healthy, normal, like this is a part of your body. And also in, if they need help, it's very, very clear. The other thing is that if someone is going to, uh, you know, groom your child, uh, if they're starting that process and that child knows the correct name for their private body parts, they know that someone's talking to that kid and they're going to be less likely to attempt to do something with that kid. Mm. So it's protective in multiple ways. Okay. And, you know, that dad, it was great that he was asking that because I'm also in a room full, like he wasn't the only one there and he wasn't yeah. the only one saying, I can't say vagina, right? <laughs> I just can't. And he had two little girls. Um, so, you know, I think that parents just, just really need to embrace this. It's the yeah. first thing we can do. And it's not weird, right? I know. It's, it's right? so strange, especially for you. You mentioned this guy was kind of very fact-focused, but yet wouldn't call a vagina a vagina, and that is the term. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Like, right. You would rather call it, what, flower or yeah. whatever taco. other? Taco. Yeah. yeah, all those other things. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so bizarre that, and like, I, I just wonder, I mean, half idea of where all that came from. Like, why could we just not call our body parts what they are it's puritanical culture and like our shame-based culture around mm -hmm. bodies and nudity and um like i i don't know what it is like it's just bonkers to me because i didn't grow up like that like i have had a vulva vagina the whole shebang no clitoris but okay. you know right <laughs> like, <clears throat> anyway i worked that out on my own um so like, I think that's part of it. And it's not serving our kids to behave that way. Um, we have to, we have to do this now. You know, our world has changed so much. And, um, and yeah, so that's the first conversation. And then as you're going along, you say, you know, hey, this is a private part of your body. It's not okay or safe for anyone to touch your privates, uh, your penis, your vulva, uh, your vagina. And, um, you know, the rule is that, that that's not okay or safe. And you can tell me if it happens to you, you won't be in trouble. Mm -hmm. That is key because um, if kids think they're gonna get in trouble, if they, if they break a rule, then, um, then they're not gonna talk to us. 
And, you know, and that, and that's beyond just touching privates. Like if you can, you have the right to say no, if someone pinches, pokes, right. Mm-hmm. You know, anything tickles you and you want them to stop, like your job, you can say stop and a safe adult and a safe older kid listens to you and stops. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was never taught, you know, it's, and it's amazing now that this stuff is getting taught in schools that, you know, thankfully it's happened. Cause I remember we had a teacher who would come up and put his arm around you and then rub his face against your face. I know. And everyone would be like, oh, that's just Mr. Such and Such. Like, yeah. that's just... And we would laugh about it. You know, it was like, oh, he put his arm around I smell like his uh, aftershave now kind of thing. And, no, and like, there's no way in hell that could happen now, which is great, which is yes. great that that cannot happen. And yes. I wish it had been that case when I was, you know, a teen at high school, but it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's amazing that there's people like you out doing this work as well, right, and educating. So one thing I'm really curious about, social media is just obviously insane. It's in our lives. It's part of our lives. There's nothing we can do about it. And I oh, know. that's a lie. Oh, yeah, so good. Good, <laughs> right. good, good. That's this a is lie. There's something we can do about it. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I know that, you know, Facebook, what you, you have to be at least 13, but you could clearly lie about your age to get on there. There's ways that kids can get on there. So what can parents do when they're really concerned about maybe their kids getting onto social media? Because there's so many creepy internet predators. Like, how do you prevent that? From, from happening. So that's a super tall order. Um, so a couple things. Um, kids are not on Facebook. They're on Snapchat, Instagram. They have fake Instagram accounts. Um, people have access to them through their video game consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that people, outside folks, can access, uh, get gain access to kids. Um, so a couple recommendations, uh, and this is something that I find completely fascinating. Uh, every device that your child can access the internet on needs to be locked down. Parental controls, monitoring software. Um, so monitoring software is something you install on all the devices, and they show you where your kid is going. So you can get a daily digest. Uh, it's a conversation tool. It is not spying on your kids because you tell them, we have these things on your devices so you're safe. You know, there's some icky stuff out there, yeah. um, stuff that can really hurt your heart and your mind, and we don't want you to see that. Uh, there's great stuff on the internet too, but, um, you know, until you're older, we're not going to let you go anywhere you want to. And many parents think, oh, not my kid. My kid would never. But I looked, we all looked up sex in the dictionary, right? We didn't have the interwebs. I didn't have the interwebs. And so now if you have a question about anything, everyone just Googles, right? And so that's not safe, <laughs> right? No. Your Google, might, your kid might Google boobs or you know penis or any kind of slang or just the word sex, and they're gonna they're gonna see stuff. Yeah. Um, it's unavoidable, and so it's our responsibility to make sure our kids are safe. We cannot trust them to make good decisions because that's just not a thing. Yeah. Um, right? I mean, I can't just, even make good decisions right? when I'm 37, right? Right, right, right exactly. <laughs> like, I have trouble with that. Um, so, um, so in talking about it, right, like saying, you know, like our rate of porn exposure is really high. Like no kid escapes childhood without being exposed in some way to pornography. 
the good news is that the vast majority of kids see it and are like, that's not for me and don't get, um, they don't have porn overuse, right? They, they are capable of not continuing to watch it. Um, but some kids, mostly boys, uh, but fewer and fewer girls end up having a problem with it. And even though I'm saying that, that doesn't mean you don't do everything you can to protect your kids from it, right? Yeah. Um, there's a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures that's really great. It explains pornography and how, what to do if they see it, um, how it, you know, why it's out there. It, they're really, really good. There's also Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior. Um, I would highly recommend you get those books. It's a great way to introduce the idea. Um, and so that is like the least you can do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple things that I did in my house, granted, I have one kid, we never let him Google. And this was before we had parental controls really in that time. We never let him Google. He didn't Google on his own until he was in the fourth grade. Like we would be with him while he was yeah. looking something up. Um, if you have three kids, that's really hard to do. So if you have three kids, then you can have something that's kind of helping you do that. Yeah. Um, The other thing to do is to limit the number of devices your kid can access the internet on. They don't need to be able to get on the internet on every flip and thing in your house. So there's one dedicated computer, there's maybe, or there's an iPad or a tablet, and then there's a phone. And if you give your kid your phone, which is not going to be locked down, you're running a risk. You're running a risk. Uh, The other thing that I recommend is that your your kid does not need a smartphone ever really. Um, they need a way to communicate. That's called a flip phone. So, um, and it's a, it's a status thing. Uh, so, you know, I recommend that your kid does not have a full on smartphone until they're in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, it's just safer. They just need to be able to reach out to you and get help if they need it. And we all manage to, we all manage to make it through childhood without having one of those. I know. And everyone has one. So if you need help, you just ask your friend, right? Yeah. Um, Right. So, and again, it's a status thing, but at the end of the day, like status schmatus, right? I mean, if this means safety is more important, right. And if this means your kid is going to show another kid porn, like my friends, both of her daughters who are four years apart, first day of middle school, someone showed first week of middle school, someone showed them porn on their phone on the school bus, both girls. And they knew what to do, right? They were like, dude, no, thank you. Like, yeah. what the hell are you doing, right? They had the skills and, the, and they were empowered to do that. Um, you know, and then the final thing about this is you do not want to be, you do not want to be a parent that gets a phone call from the school, from another parent. Your kid showed my kid nasty stuff on their phone. That is a very awkward <laughs> Yes. And you know, if that doesn't do it, then I don't know what to do with y'all. Cause this <laughs> is like, I cannot stress enough. Um, so the other thing that's protective for kids is that if they have, like, you've t- I, did you talk to Kim? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kim yeah. Cook, teen, uh, teen World Confidential. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, the other thing you can do to keep your kids safer overall, sexual abuse prevention, online, all of that is to talk openly with them about sexuality, relationships, and your values. When they're informed, when they have safe books to look at, when you're talking to them consistently, they're less curious mm. and they're safer, yeah. right? Because they, they understand that sex is not for kids, their hearts, minds, and bodies aren't ready for something like that, then again, they're safer. 
and talking again about the pornography and being really clear, like, it is not real. It is like a cartoon. Like, people don't yeah. look like that, sound like that. Really, honestly, they don't even do that. Like, yeah. it's all fake. It's all acting. Yeah, because it just creates this, like, you know, expectation, unrealistic expectation that these kids grow up with thinking, oh, my God, that's what sex is. And it's just not. It's really right. not. Right. Like yeah. porn starts in the middle, right? Porn doesn't show the hand holding, the awkwardness, right? The going over the shirt, the going under the shirt, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't show any of that. Like how you learn how to be sexual with someone. Yeah. No, that's no, it's great advice. Um, so do you, do you know any, I'm just curious as if I was a parent and I did want to get some sort of like monitoring device, I'm assuming you can just search and there's some companies that, yeah. that do that it's quite easy to find those yeah one of the best the best ones is it's circle and the website circle. is meetcircle.com okay and Perfect. you can easily it's easy to install it's got all kinds of things you can do with it mm-hmm. um and it's great and that's what you need uh, one of my friends has uh his circle set up so that uh when kids are at their house they can't get on the internet they can't get on the yeah. wi-fi right wow and all the friends know that and, you know, some families have, like, when the teenagers are over, they're like, put your phone in the basket. Good luck with your, good luck with your bad selves, right? <laughs> um, that's a challenging one because they really do not want to give them up. But, um, and, and again, like, most kids are not going, to, going crazy with this, but it's accidental. So mm-hmm. I have a client who called me, and they've been clients of mine for a while, and they're like, can we come see you? And I'm like, of course. <laughs> like, what's going on? So they're eight, nine, eight-year-old. I uh, was really into horses and she Googled horses mm-hmm. and she was looking at images and then she managed to get from horses to porn. Wow. And she, they were super funny. They're like, yeah, she got to bad seventies porn, which is way different than the porn. Today. Weird. Yeah. yeah. So we <laughs> talked about it and you know, the girl was totally fine because they were super yeah. on top of it. They had parental controls, monitoring software. That's how they found out okay. um, with the monitoring software. So so they leave and I'm like, how do you get from horses to porn? And so I Googled. So yeah. I, I Googled horses and then I went to images and then I scrolled down and uh, there were images of men with gigantic penises. And oh so God. I clicked on those and then it just was easy to get to. Wow. So there. not even that hard, like a yeah. couple of clicks. Right. So who thinks horse and penis? I mean, right. I, I mean, I know some people do, but <laughs> like, right. Who thinks horse and penis? And so the good news is they knew it happened, right? Mm-hmm. They knew it happened. So they touched base with me and we had a little chat and then we got them straightened out and then they talked to their daughter and she's fine. They're fine. Yeah. But yeah. they were very proactive lots of sex education. She knew what sex was. So it was a, she knew the word penis. Like she, so it was easy to say, Hey, like, sorry, you know, we yeah. really try to keep you safe here and no more Googling horses. Yeah. Like I've got, it's like, you can't Google anything. You could probably just really, you know, eggplants and right. uh, <laughs> <Right>. zucchinis. <laughs> jam. I Googled jam and I ended up in Portlandia. I know. Uh, so yeah. bizarre. It, I know it's so bizarre. And this is a real top of mind concern for lots of parents. I just did a survey of the um, folks on my email list and it was talking to kids about porn was the number one thing. It was 10% higher than keeping the conversation going. Mm -hmm. So 
top of mind concern. Um, another website is Protect Young Minds. Uh, so there's lots of information about how to take care of this conversation. But if you have not had the sex talk, you, it makes the porn talk a lot more awkward. Yeah, yeah. Now, so you were just mentioning some resources there, and I was curious to know kind of what other resources you, that you actually do give to parents and professionals. And I also know that you have a podcast, so feel free to share a little bit about that. If you go to my website, birdsandbeesandkids.com, I have a resources page and I have a bookstore. So there's lots of information there. And I think that um, just for the Porn conversation, uh, protect young minds, and the books, um, good pictures, bad pictures. So, with regard to sexual abuse prevention, uh, rain.org, it's R A I N N.org. If you're worried your child has been sexually abused, they're a national organization, they're great. Also, Stop It Now has wonderful information about preventing child sexual abuse. Uh, Savvy Parents Safe Kids, also really great, easy to put into place tips for talking to kids. And, you know, I think that one of the most important things for parents is to just calm down. Mm, calm down. There's a possibility that your child might be assaulted or sexually abused, and that's terrifying. But if you're not taking steps to help them be safer, then I'm not going to say it's your fault. Of course, it's not your fault, but there's things you can do to help your child be safer Mm -hmm. and take those steps. You don't have to start with anything major, right? Just make sure they know the correct names for private body parts. Like how hard is that? I mean, I know it's hard for some people, but it's really not that hard. (laughs) Uh, Use books, right? Use books. It's so amazing. It's a great book. It's got everything you need to talk to them about sexuality, relationships, different kinds of families. Um, And there's a whole section on safe touch and and that kind of thing. So uh, there's lots of places to get help Mm -hmm. um, and to educate your kids that aren't going to feel too weird or freaky. um, And they don't know right? Remember, they don't know about this thing in the same way you do, right? So what happens is we project and we're like, oh my God, this is so horrible for my child to know about. It's like, no, it's actually horrible for you to know about. So remember, your job is to fill them up with safety tips and all that good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, tell us a little bit about, I know you had some audio episodes and podcasts episodes where you get a little bit you give a little bit of advice so yeah share that with us yeah so my uh podcast is called just say this and folks call in and leave me a voicemail an anonymous voicemail ask me questions and then i answer them on air or on the show and it's i don't have there's no rhyme nor reason so you might get a question about a 12 year old who boy who just came out to his mom and then you know is it okay for kids to take baths together, for siblings to take baths together? So I, I think my goal is to help parents of kind of with kids of every ilk. And there's always something, even in the preschool questions for the teenagers, yeah. right? It's really easy to like see the, connect the dots and maybe see some blanks or get my idea. You know, my goal is to get people to get motivated and feel more confident confident and comfortable starting the conversations or continuing them with their kids. And then my favorite part of the podcast is I love it when people call in and, and leave me tales from the trenches and funny stuff. Because <laughs> it's just, I mean, the whole thing can be, it's funny. Like kids are yeah. funny and you know, we make mistakes or we have like big wins or, you know, all kinds of things happen for us around this. And I just want to like humanize, like the questions are normal. It's fine to have questions. And then of course, 
things go sideways or don't go sideways. So anyway, it's called Just Say This. And is it okay if I give the phone number? Yeah, yes. Okay. I was going to say, how do people call in? Yeah, so it. it's, it's 206-926-1522. And it's totally anonymous. So don't worry about like being weird or whatever. And yeah, anyway, it's, it's been super duper fun. And I love to give advice and I'm bossy and I think I'm right. So, you know, I get to like, <laughs> do my thing it's a great combo awesome i'll definitely post a link to your podcast as well so that people can find it and hopefully call in with lots of questions um amy this has been awesome any last thoughts or words you'd like to share before we wrap up yeah i think um like my overall message here is that it is our job as parents to make sure our kids feel really good about this part of life you know sex is fabulous. It's an amazing part of life. It's kind of a gift we were given. And so presenting this as a healthy, fun, positive part of life, like starting there, it makes it easier for kids. Because at the end of the day, we all want our kids to grow up to be whole, healthy, happy adults and to wait until they're like 28 before they have sex. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I uh, know. It'd be awesome, right? Full, full brain development. Yeah. But we, we can make that happen. We can help them make mm -hmm. really healthy decisions and feel good about who they are as a sexual being. Because most of us didn't have that, right? Yeah. Most of us struggle with that part of ourselves and there's enough information and support out there now that we can help our kids just be wonderful people in terms of their relationships and their sexuality. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Amy, for your time. I really appreciate it. My total pleasure. It's really great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Now you can find out more about Amy at www.birdsandbeesandkids.com. And if you are a parent, then I'd highly recommend that you subscribe to her podcast, Just Say This, and you can find that over on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow Amy on social media. She is on Facebook at Birds, Bees, Kids and Twitter at Birds and Bees. And of course, I'll post all the links in the show notes. Now, if you enjoyed our conversation or you have any comments that you'd like to share, then head over to this episode page on our website, uncomfortable.blog, and you can post them in the comments box. You can also follow us on social media. We are at uncomfortable.blog on Facebook and Instagram and uncomfy underscore podcast on Twitter. If you like what you heard, then head over to Apple Podcasts and make sure to give us a glowing review and hit all five of those stars. I'd really appreciate it. You can also support us on a monthly basis by becoming a Patreon and pledging as little as two to five dollars per month. Your monthly pledges will help keep this little podcast on its pod feet by covering costs such as website and podcast hosting, editing software and equipment upgrades. Thank you again for listening. Now please go out there and get uncomfortable.